Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Barebones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result grow your impact and connection this mission reflects the core ways of being that i work to develop in teachers confidence clarity purpose impact and connection through my mentorship program and my online learning program called your yoga anatomy blueprint I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, but almost more importantly, help them learn how to move beyond their self-limiting beliefs so that they can be strong, confident, and clear when they teach. I know from experience that personal barriers are just as important to address as learning anatomy for teachers. I also recognize that the current system of training teachers is leaving them with a gap, both in their anatomy knowledge and areas of personal growth. I hear more times than not, I graduated from my teacher training, but I'm too afraid to teach. My mission is to help you move past the fear, embrace your true nature, teach you the key aspects of anatomy so you're armed with what you need to know to be an effective teacher and coach you along the way. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. All right. Hi, everybody. This is Karen Fabian. I am the founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and I want to welcome you to episode 66 here on my podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. So I'm here uh, with the next episode in my special podcast series, all designed to bring you content tips and strategies to improve your health, up your energy, give you tactical tips that you can use, and just all around keep you healthy and moving forward during this unique and challenging time we are in. So as I record these episodes here uh, towards the middle of March 2020, all of us around the world are dealing with the impact of the coronavirus. And as such, I knew my audience would be managing their own concerns while at the same time trying to regroup on their yoga teaching, which is of course the main focus of this podcast. Although this series is gonna have broad application to lots of different people. So in these episodes, including this one today, I'm gonna to be interviewing guests with special expertise you can leverage to help you stay focused and action-oriented right now. And that brings me to today's guest, Mel Abraham. Mel is the founder of Thoughtpreneur Academy and Business Breakthrough Academy, where he helps entrepreneurs bring businesses to the world and build the lifestyle that they want. Mel is one of the most sought after financial experts, entrepreneurial mentor, and strategic thinkers of our time. His most recent focus is working with speakers, authors, consultants, coaches, and people with a message to help them become powerful communicators and influential thought leaders. He has been called the thought leader to thought leaders. I love that. Unlike many other so-called business coaches, Mel lives everything he teaches. He's built, bought, and sold numerous multi-million dollar businesses for himself as well as his clients and is the author of the best-selling book, The Entrepreneur's Solution, The Modern Millionaire's Path to More Profit, 
fans, and freedom. So Mel, I want to welcome you here to the podcast. I want to say this might be the first yoga podcast you've ever been on. It, it's, it is not my, it is definitely. I have not been on a yoga podcast. I took, I have taken a couple of yoga classes and the first one I took, I laughingly went into it and I go, yoga. Uh-huh. And I, I have a newfound respect because <laughs> some of those movements, you'd have to surgically put me back together again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can uh, say that that is many times people's experience when it, they take their first class. Um, but for the listeners, Mel is out in California, which is literally a hotbed of yoga studios, both literally and figuratively. So whenever you want to do uh, yoga, you probably have lots of different options available. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you do more mental yoga than physical. Well, yoga. I, I do. Uh, truth be told, um, not, not, not that they're all going to come running after me, but uh, I do need to get more into, into something like that because my mobility, yeah. I need the mobility. I need that, especially in the, this last journey that I've been on this last year, which we may touch on. Yeah. Um, I think that that becomes important. I've, you know, years of... Uh, 40 plus years of martial arts and, and all of that. And so I'll, I want to look at a new, new, a new arena for me. Awesome. Awesome. All right, great. Well, I can definitely support you in that if you're looking for support. So I want to first thank you for coming on. I want to just tell the listeners, I um, was introduced to Mel and met him briefly at a um, entrepreneurial conference I went to in October, which seems like years ago, but was just past October, um, that was hosted by James Wedmore, who is a mentor of mine in business. And Mel was one of the speakers and contributed in lots of different ways to the event. And when I was thinking about this special podcast series, one of the things that, you know, the, the, the main focus is what is my audience need help with right now? And the, one of the first things that came to mind was money. And when I thought money and I thought, Next step, who do I know? Who's out there? Who's, I thought, Mel. <laughs> and even though we hadn't had time one-on-one, -on -one, I thought, let me just reach out to him on the DM and see, and you were willing to do that. So I really thank you, thank you for that, because Certainly. I don't have someone in my immediate world that I can access who has this knowledge base. So thank you for taking some time to be with us today. Oh, without a doubt, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so, for having the guts to reach out. So so often they don't even reach out. But yeah, I think well, that, I was a little, I was a little, eh, um, but I was like, you know, what do I have to lose? You know, yeah. uh, and then I told my dad, I sent my dad your bio, and he's like, oh great. He's like, my dad's my money manager, and he's like, oh, send me the episode. So <laughs> our Fabian is waiting for waiting for this episode to be sent to him. Um, so anyway, what I wanted to do, I definitely want because I know the listeners are probably really chomping at the bit for like the specific tactical things, the day to day, what should I do with my cash? How am I supposed to, you know, hold over the cash I have until whatever potential help from the federal government comes through and things like that. But I want to try to balance this episode out between that kind of tactical content and also keeping people grounded in some sense of forward thinking positivity, which I know sometimes people might even be listening to this saying, oh my God, Karen, are you crazy? Right now we're in crisis. Um, I do think that we probably have more control over our mindset than we think. And there are still opportunities, even in a market like this. And I also know just from hearing you speak that so much of what you try to do is get people even in a good 
time, right? Not like this, focused on that broader vision. So I know that's kind of a big place to start, but do you have, you know, kind of certain ideas that people can leverage right now or connect to right now to try to prevent them from being sucked into the void? I, I think there's a couple things to, to really consider. One is crisis, crisis builds character. And I know that's an easy thing to say, um, but, but it really is true because when we start to get shoved down, kicked around and, and things go completely straight, we, this isn't, it isn't unprecedented to have the economic situation come about. What's unprecedented is how fast it happened and the, the trigger of it and mm -hmm. the combination of events. But, but I think that if we start to look at things in, in that vein, the reality is that we got to ask ourselves the question, who am I right now? And who am I going to become because of this crisis? Mm -hmm. because, because we have the opportunity and it, it is a choice. It, it is a choice. The choice is, is I'm going to crawl in the corner. I'm going to get in the fetal position and just, just say, wake me up when it's all over and see where the pieces have landed when it's all over. We can sit there and we can continually listen to whatever news channel is, is, is your selection. And, and they, they flippantly call it news. It's opinion, in my opinion. It's propaganda, right. in my opinion. And they're getting spin, and they're not giving you necessarily all the facts. That's a whole other conversation. But right. the question is, what is it feeding your mind? What is it feeding your soul in doing that? And if, if I sit and spend a half an hour watching any of those stations, and I walk away from it feeling scared, petrified, nervous, and, and not necessarily informed, why am I doing it? Right. Because... How we feed ourselves right now becomes important. So the choice is fetal position in the corner or the choice is to look forward and say, where am I today and who am I going to become through this process and how do I want to be on the other side of it? Right. Because okay. that will open up other questions. So what do you think, um, what, what kinds of shifts can we think are possible for people in a positive direction as a result of this? What kinds of shifts? I mean, is this an opportunity for people who are nervous to get into the online space to kind of take that leap? Or are there other kind of business opportunities or personal growth opportunities that people can now push themselves towards because of this? So I, there's probably a, a, a segment of your audience that has, has already had, and before this ever happened, has already had in the back of their mind that they want to do some things differently. Yeah. That they want a different life, that they're trying to figure things out. Do they want to teach classes all the time or do they want to do, right. start their own studio? How do they want to do this, this thing? And this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to compare it so they many well they will know now because i'm going to tell in june of last year june june last year i got diagnosed with cancer oh. um i was diagnosed with bladder cancer in june of last year uh had no idea it was uh, i don't have any of the risk factors but in that moment everything changed uh, wow in that moment i knew that the only thing that i had to do is to focus on my healing that i could cleanse the plate 
and say everything stops. And that's literally what we did. We stopped our businesses. I stopped my ads. I stopped, I stopped my speaking. I had an event that was planned for September. I postponed that. My wife stopped working. We solely focused on me. And, and you know, the good news is that two surgeries later, it was a seven and a half centimeter tumor. You know, there was all kinds of potential complications, including removing the bladder, all that. None of that happened. We put okay. a team of doctors together. Um, and I put a team and I said, I know that this is a fight. I used to fight competitively. I said, this is, an, this is another fight. And when I go into, when I got ready for fights, I had people in my corner that would get me ready with my hand work, my footwork, my strength, my endurance, all those things. I said, you're my team. I'm getting back in the ring. This is the fight for my life. I know you can't fight it for me, but you will prepare me for it. But the blessing in all of that, one is, is December 13th. So I got diagnosed June 13th, December 13th, they cleared me 100% of the cancer. Um, wow. So I was declared cancer-free within six months. I'm wow. still on maintenance because of uh, the reoccurrence rate on it. Yep. But I feel great and, and I'm now starting to come back out doing some of the things. And a lot of what we're gonna talk about is really a result of some of the realizations of how important it was to do what I've done to allow me to, to shut things down and live through it. But, but going back to your question, what it also allowed me to do is to clear the, clear the, the, the deck, to completely cleanse the table and say, there's nothing on the table. Yep. There's absolutely nothing on the table. And now I have a choice in my life to start putting the things on the table that matter. Um, I had a doctor that I talked to uh, during the cancer and he said, think about this now. He said, you've got cells in two Petri dishes. And in one Petri dish, we put, we put toxins. In the other Petri dish, we, we put uh, nutrients. And over time, the, the, the Petri dish with the nutrients, the cells and the nutrients come together and they grow and they flourish and they, they, they just expand. But over time, the, the Petri dish with the, the toxins, they stay separated. They wither and they die. They shrivel away. He said... He said, our bodies cannot heal. They cannot grow when we are under distress, when we are under stress, when we are under disease. And he says, the mistake that most people make is they say, oh, stress is the cause. Let me get rid of the stress. And he said, the problem is stress is a spectrum. We go from high stress and we think it ends at no stress. So we try to get everything out of our life that causes us stress. But what that does is it gets us to the zero point. It gets us to the baseline. He said, but growth and, and healing doesn't come from zero stress. Growth and healing comes when you go past that zero point. And the only way you get past that zero point is through appreciation, gratitude, and love mm -hmm. and finding joy. Mm -hmm. And he said, so he said, the, the challenge isn't about getting rid of the things in your life that are stressful. The challenge is in finding the things that you do, that you choose to do, that bring you joy. And what that allowed me to do is sit back and say, as I move back into this game with pre-coronavirus, with coronavirus, what are the things that I want to do that also bring me joy? They may bring some stress, but as long as the joy is along with it, it starts to balance it. But yeah. if we are doing things that stress us out, and there is absolutely no joy, it's probably the thing that, that we, we don't wanna do. So 
that back to your question, I think what we have the opportunity here is to clean the decks, to clean the tables and to say, if I were to design my life today, knowing what I know, if I were to look at myself financially, knowing what I know, professionally knowing what I know, what are the things that bring me joy and how would I design it differently? And then we build a plan to make that happen. Right, right. Um, Well, first of all, I'm so glad that you're well. I had no idea. I mean, this actually means that when I saw you at BBD, you were in the middle of that journey, which is incredible. I was uh, in the middle of my treatments. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So congratulations and you fought it and you won and that's fantastic and you look great. I mean, the viewers can't see you, but I can. So so that's fabulous. Um, I want to just also touch on when you were talking about stress, Do you kind of make a distinction? I mean, obviously as a yoga teacher, stress is something I think about a lot. I work with a lot as a feeling and different ways to kind of move through that. Um, Do you kind of make the distinction even just in business between, or in constructing that kind of ideal life between good stress and not good stress? You know, kind of that stress of, oh my God, I'm kind of at my learning edge stress. Um, I do look at, the fact that I know that when it comes, it's just like, it's just like muscle growth for us to grow. We're going to have to put some stress on it. Right. Um, I saw, you know, uh, a friend, John Maxwell was, was talking and he, he, and he speaks a lot about this. He spoke a lot about it a while back, but he used to say that, and he still says it, that everything good is uphill. It's at the top of the mountain. <laughs> So no matter what it is, your dreams, your aspirations, the things that we want are at the top of the mountain. And when they're at the top of the mountain, that means we have to walk uphill. That puts stress on us. The only thing that changes in today's environment is the steepness of the mountain. The goodness in our life is still up at the top of the mountain. We still need to hike the mountain. The steepness just changed. The angle of direction just changed. Yeah. So understanding that we're on our path, that we're on our journey, and that we're doing the things that fulfill us, the things that bring us joy, doesn't mean that there won't be stress. We just know that it is stress that we must go through to grow. And I think in this time, there is so many avenues and opportunities for us to grow, to look at things like you mentioned this, that if, if, some, if a segment of your audience is have not really explored the idea of, hey, how could I do my work and take it online to scale it, to, to remove the, 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 you know, to maybe create a social distancing kind of practice to allow me not, not the, not the sole way of delivering it, but to allow me the flexibility to deliver it in multiple ways, to know that I have the opportunity to still serve and do the things I enjoy because I have multiple ways of delivering it in a powerful way. Right. Now, this is a, a wonderful time to re-explore that, to rethink that, to look at that and say, all right, so that means that I will be under stress to learn about things like opt-in pages, to learn about things like email sequences and copy and all that stuff. And it's all new. But you know what? At one point, tying your shoes was new. Right. We got through that. Right. Once the skill is developed, the skill is never gone. Right. I lost, we'll get into the financials, but back in 2005, I had one third of everything I own wiped out in a Ponzi scheme. But the skills I had to recreate it were not wiped out. The, 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 
the ability to recreate it was not wiped out. And within 18 months, we not only recovered what we lost, but we surpassed it by three times, 300%. Right, right. Was, so that was, that was we your- We all have skills. We just got to use them differently. Right. It's kind of like the intellectual property of what you learn. You could repurpose it even despite your, yes. your loss, your, your short-term loss. And, and it makes me think too, you know, when you're talking about your personal story with, with what you went through, you know, in terms of your health and, and kind of, I, as I was listening to you speak, I was thinking, you know, in a way, the, the presence of this virus and how it's caused us all to shut down businesses and all the restrictions. And then at the same token, how you've made that bridge to, well, maybe this is an opportunity, not just for yoga teachers, but for anyone who is primarily in a brick and mortar type job slash business to think about now is a time that I can generate some other adjunct to the work I do, to the income earning that I do to insulate myself from the future of this, you know, kind of happening again, potentially, and just to create more revenue opportunities for myself than just everything I do in person? Uh, without a doubt. I think the, one of the biggest mistakes service providers make, uh, and I was a service provider too, uh, in the sense that I was, I'm a CPA, I'm an accountant, I, you know, uh, and some, some of my colleagues in, when 9-11 happened, they learned the lesson the hard way. Because a lot of the people that I hung around with were part of National Speakers Association. And they were speakers. Well, after 9-11 happened, things shut down and they weren't speaking. That was their sole source of income. That meant their sole source of income was taken away from them. And because they weren't handling things financially correctly, they ended up in, bad, in a bad situation. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the challenge is this, is that we, if, if I talk to most people, you'll hear them say, well, if I tell them, do you know what it means to diversify a portfolio? Not how, but do you know what it means? Yeah, diversification of a portfolio a lot of times reduces our risk. So, so we don't get hit. If the market goes down 30% because of diversification, maybe I don't go down 30%. I go down 20 or I go down 15 or something like that. But we never, never ask ourselves, have I diversified my sources of income? <laughs> Why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. Because if... If truly the way we sustain ourselves is our income streams, having our income stream coming from one single source is a, is a single point of failure that whether it is a job loss, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's a health scare like I had, whether it's, it's a family issue, whatever it is, puts you completely in jeopardy. But don't you think that's kind of how society, and I'm using quotation marks, has groomed us. I mean, us as a collective society, that's how we have been, I don't want to say programmed, but that's kind of what we do, right? We go to school, we go to high school, we go to college, we get a job. And, you know, I mean, when I stopped working a corporate job 10 years ago, you know, I had a lot of angst over it. And, um, you know, I dipped my toe back in the water because I got into a lot of debt. I dug myself out of debt and then left again. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like it's as much as there is happening online, there still is the general flow 
of people going into that single source of income coming from one place. And it's hard, I think, when you do break away, you'll get the feedback, oh, you know, what are you doing? That's crazy. That's not safe or secure. Uh, wow, there's so much here. Uh, here's the thing. I didn't know we were going to end up here. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll go anywhere. But, but because I think this is really an important discussion. One is what you're really talking about is I think we have brought industrial age thinking into our current time. And what I mean by industrial age thinking is that there was a time in history where you would work for one company for uh, 30, 40, 50 years. And that company also had something called a pension plan. Right. And what would happen is that after we retire from that company, after dedicating our life to that company, then they guaranteed us an income in retirement. And right. that income was a percentage or close to whatever percentage of our, our salary it was. So right. we were guaranteed an outcome later in the year in, in our life. The challenge was in the 80s, those pension plans became really expensive and they came up with this whole new thing called a 401k. Now I love 401k, but it's different than a pension, but they sold it just like a pension. The difference is this, the 401k doesn't guarantee you an outcome. You're going to put money in the 401k. Yeah. I guess it depends on how well you manage it. Exactly. And so, so whatever you have, you have. And, and let's just take this time for now. The market has dropped about 30, 35%, um, 30%, let's just call it, in, in literally a couple of weeks. Right. Let's assume that I was the person that had a 401k and I retired on December 31st, 1999, uh, 2019. Oops, right. got my years messed up. <laughs> 2019. All right. So then three months later, oh my God. the market tanks. Right. The, the money that I saved for my future, for my retirement, just got cut by 30%, probably, possibly, if it wasn't managed right. Right. But that, that nest egg now just went down, which meant my ability to earn and live went down by 30% in an instant. Right. Because I'm retired, my ability to earn and rebuild it has, is limited. And that's the mistake is that, is that I think what we need to realize is that our retirement system is broken. And it is broken because we did away with the pensions. And I'm not saying that's good, bad, or indifferent um, with the way we do it. But what that means is that we have to think differently financially. If we go into it, and say, I'm going to work this one job, I'm going to put money in a 401k, and then I'll, I'll spend that money. We have this save and spend mentality about retirement where I'm just going to save as much as I can while I'm alive, and then I'm going to spend it when, when I, uh, or while I'm working, and then I'm going to spend it in my retirement years, and I hope and pray that my life doesn't outlast my money. Right. That, that's a roll of the dice, especially with medical advancements and all of that. So people are living longer. It becomes a problem uh, in the future because what we're thinking about doing is saying, let me build a pot of cash and, and let me spend that cash and, and live off of that spending versus let me build a machine that I can turn on that, that generates cash flow that I live on and the machine never gets cannibalized. When I got cancer, the thing that we did is we shut everything down. 
I built the machine previously. And I just talked to my, my, my wealth guys and said, we're going to turn one piece of the machine on. And that machine just started spitting out cash. It allowed us to continue our life the way we lived it without taking away from savings. We didn't use emergency fund. We didn't drain savings. We didn't do anything. It took us a while and it took us discipline to get that built, but we built it. If we go into this with the proper mentality and when we do and say, my ability to earn isn't enough to make me wealthy. It's how I build a machine from my ability to earn that makes me wealthy and gives me what I call not financial freedom, but financial liberation to feel truly liberated. That's the key behind this. And, and the way to do that is, is that when I got sick, I had other possible streams of income that could cover me. Right. I wasn't speaking and getting paid. I wasn't promoting and getting paid. I wasn't doing any of that and getting paid. So I had to turn the other streams on. Mm -hmm. If I had none of that, I would have been in deep trouble. One of two things would have happened. I would have financially been in trouble or I would have had to, had to compromise my treatments and my healthcare and my well-being just to survive. To keep going, yeah. And neither yeah. one of those are good options. Yeah. So before we get to the tactical stuff, I just want to stay at this like global level for, for one thing that you mentioned. So all of what we're talking about is if people can really, really stay kind of grounded and present as they're listening to you talk, which I hope they are. Um, what I'm hearing is that, and again, this may sound kind of out there, but I'm hearing that in this current, you know, situation, which gives us, there is an opportunity for us to think about how can we make differences at our own life level so that we're set up better for the future, whatever it is, whether it's our own health scare, another virus, whatever it is. The piece though that I feel like, I know, I don't wanna say I struggle with it. The reason, the reason I don't struggle with this is because I'm a very disciplined person anyway, but what about people who feel like, especially when it comes to money and a lot of the other things you're talking about, I have to learn this and I have to learn that. And well, it's easy for him to say because he already built it and blah, blah, blah. When you said discipline, that's the word that I really connected to because I even think about, um, and we're going to talk about credit cards and using credit cards right now in a moment from a different perspective, but pre-coronavirus, just looking at consumer debt and consumer debt you know, as a potential expression of, well, I don't have the money, I'll just put it on credit. And, and potentially, I'm not judging, but I'm just saying the potential lack of discipline that that shows around money management. So what about the people out there that are just either saying, I don't have the discipline, or I just, you know, this is just not my reality. You know, I'm, I'm living kind of hand to mouth, my husband or spouse is working a, you know, 16 hour a week job. I just don't see a way out of that. And I, and I get that. And, and I'll give a little bit of tough love and a little bit of love in the process. Yeah, that's fine. 99.9% okay? um, .9 of the people do not have a money problem. They have a behavior problem. Yeah. Okay. Money, your, your wealth is a behavioral issue, not a money issue. There are plenty of people that make forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, and over the years, because of their discipline, because of their behaviors, they have millions put away by the time they're ready to retire. There's also a group of people, and I can, and that you will recognize the faces. 
that are making tens of millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they haven't got a dime to their name. Yeah. So it's clearly not a money issue. It's a behavioral issue. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. stars, there's athletes that are penniless. And yet they, in one year, made more than any of us have, would, would have dreamed to make in our lifetime at times. Yeah. So, so the question really revolves around your behaviors and not the money you make. That's, that's the, the one thing that I think we need to, to realize is that, is that wealth is about a behavior issue and not a money issue. Now, that also means that in these tough times or at, 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 at times, do we have to make hard decisions? Yeah. I mean, when we say discipline, there is needs and there are wants. And our needs are the things that keep the walls around us, us fed, us clothed, us trans, you know, getting back and forth to work, our medical care and all that. Those are the needs. And then there's some needs specific to our business. Everything else is a want. A want is optional. And so I have the ability to turn the wants off and I might need to temporarily until I can fulfill the needs easily and have that gap, the surplus that I talk about, fill, allow me to one, give me the cushion I need so I can then live the life that I want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I get it that, that some folks are just living check to check. Yeah. The question then is, why is that? Is it because I am spending a lot on wants and feeling, and this is hard for some people to take, but feeling entitled, I work really hard, so I deserve this. Right. And, and I 100% agree, but is it the right thing, smart thing to do? And I'll give you an example why a small decision doesn't, seem to make a lot. Let's assume that I'm going to spend $200 a month pampering myself, whatever it is. It yeah. Can, yeah. It, it doesn't matter, but it's optional. It's, it's, it's not that $200 a month. You look at it as $200 a month. It's just 200 bucks, $200 saved every month over 20 to 30 years will turn into $350,000. So wow. your $200 decision is a $350,000 decision, not a $200 decision. And so the question really becomes one of where do I want to be and how do I want to live? Yeah. And be okay with saying, so maybe I pamper myself every other month instead of every month. Right. Give a little, but also get a, get a lot on the other end. Yeah, so I, love how you, I love how you just did that. It's, it's kind of like a reframe, but... Not exactly, but it's basically because I think sometimes when people think about money and they hear the word budget, they think it's all or nothing. And I think what you just did is so beautiful. It's just kind of this way of saying, hey, it doesn't have to be all or nothing on either side. It doesn't have to be everything going to savings and nothing going to pampering. Let's just use that as an example. It can be split it. If it's 200, maybe it's 100, 100 every month or whatever it is every other month. So I think that that you know, especially for people who feel like I don't have the discipline. It's not in my identity. I grew up in a family where we pinched, pinched pennies. It's just ingrained in who I am. You know, that whole identity thing um, that can give them a little relief and the feeling that, well, maybe that's possible for me. And I would challenge that, that, that isn't their identity. That's their belief of what their identity is. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 
And, and the fact is, is this, and this is one of the challenging things when I teach about financial and everything is there. I will have creative types that say, I'm not, I'm not a numbers person. Your financial liberation, your financial wealth is on the other side of that math problem. So like it or not, you better get used to the math problem. (laughs) And the math problem is easy. Yeah. I need to, I need to spend less than I make and I need to put stuff away for a period of time so it's going to work for me. You mentioned the word budget. Budget is like diet. People freak out. (laughs) I don't believe in budgets, but I do believe in plans. I believe in being intentional. When we have money coming in and we're unintentional with how we're going to spend it, in other words, we don't plan for how we're going to use it, invest it, and spend it, then it seems to just go away. And so the idea behind creating a plan for your money is about assigning each dollar a task. And some dollars will have the task of of carrying you and your living expenses and your basic needs. Other dollars will have the task of going out and multiplying, okay? And, And building your wealth. Other dollars will have the task of of creating a comfort cushion so you can be comfortable in down times. So every dollar would have a task, but it's intentionally assigned by you based upon the vision for your life and not just unintentional. I got money in, money out, and I don't really look at it because I'm not a numbers person, so I don't want to look at it. But I think a lot of that is because they don't want to look at it. Yeah. The math skills, because it's not much more than pluses and minuses. It's not complicated. Right. Until we do, we can't control it. Right. Don't you think, though, that, I mean, I don't know, do you ever watch that show Restaurant Impossible with Robert Irvine where he goes? I do. I love that dude. Oh, my God. I get such agita when I watch that and he breaks down at the very beginning the person. And I sit there and I say to my boyfriend, how does it get this bad for the folks that, right? And so, and of course I know, but, you know, I feel like there's this head in the sand mentality. And I used to have the same mentality myself where it's like, if I don't look at it, it'll go away or I'm too afraid to look at it. So again, we're, you know, we're talking about money, but we're really talking about our feelings about money and how that impacts our ability to manage our money. And so when you talk about dollars working for us, that's like such a cool little metaphor, like there are the dollars and they're out there working for us. That's so great. But if you're someone who, like you say, has, you know, you know, they have this potential, this identity, but a belief is how you've characterized a belief that they're not a money person. How do you get past that fear to just dive in and look at this situation, especially if you're someone who never has, and now you're in your forties or your fifties and you've built this problem up kind of like those folks on the show, you just have to kind of push yourself through it. Or is that when you go to somebody and you say, look, I need some help with this. Well, I think, I I think that there's a couple ways to do it. And, And one is, if we can't, if you cannot um, navigate it on your own, or you feel you can't navigate it on, on your own, then you, you go to someone, you get training, and you spend some time with someone that will, will have the difficult conversations and help you grow in the process. And, I'm, and, and honestly, I'm not talking necessarily about a financial advisor. I'm talking about a financial educator at this point, because my concern is that you'll get caught into, into a, 
an advisor who's going to get you into investments that you don't understand and it's premature for you to do that. Rather, what I want to do is, is, um, is give you tools. Uh, uh, just to, for instance, because, you know, I teach with, with, with stories and stuff. My son, I, you know, I raised my son when, uh, as a single full-time dad since he was six years old. At 11 years old, I started paying him a salary. And about 12 years old, I had, I had a family come to me and it was the two sons. Mom had just passed away. Five years earlier, their dad passed away. When the two sons came to me after mom passed away, they were worth about $5 million. So here's the crazy thing. Five years earlier, dad passed away. Wow. When dad passed away, they were worth $180 million. So in five years, they went from 180 million to to five million. They lost 175 million dollars. You got to try really hard to do that. Wow. And and Jeremy, my son, says, "How does that happen?" I said, "Because we get so caught up in the idea of how do we make the money, how do we build the assets, how do we accomplish, acquire, and achieve, how do I transfer it, how do I protect it, that we never ever take the time to say." What skills do I need to deal with the money? And oh, so what right. got transferred to the family was the assets, but no skills. And that's why Jeremy from 11, 12 years old was going to my wealth advisor with me. He was going to the meetings. We were having the conversations. Wow. We were educating. I said, I said, it's important for you to have the skills. My wife, we've been married now in June, it'll be nine years. And she goes, she wants nothing to do with numbers. She's a scientist. She loves science, but she understands the importance of it now. She goes too, and she asks questions, and she's developing, and she's learning because, God forbid, when I'm gone, I want them to be equipped to make right. the right decisions and understand how I made the decisions to get us where we're at. Otherwise, all the work that I did to change my family's family tree, the generations right. beyond, is for not because it'll get pissed away quickly. Right, right. So, so that being wow. said, seek out education. It could be in books, it could be in courses, it could be in people. Get your toe in it and be willing to face the hard reality of where you're at. Until right. we accept it, we can't correct it. And here's a really important thing, and I just had this conversation uh, with a good friend on his podcast, um, because he said some of his people may not, uh, many, many of, many of your audience might be um, beating themselves up right now. Right. I wish I had, I wish I did this differently. I wish I did this. I wish I did that. It doesn't serve you. Right. The, the fact is, is this, no one's perfect and we all learn. When you should beat yourself up is if we don't learn from this lesson. Yeah, I agree. I, I especially think about that with regard to having some savings. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure people, and that's when we get in a minute to the tactical questions, that's one of the ones I have, but I'm sure people are thinking that now. This is when all those articles I read that said have three months savings in the bank. Why didn't I do that? Well, and, and that's a great question and it can help us, but if we use it to beat us up and make us feel bad, look, I'm a financial guy. I'm a CPA. I testify in trials. I, I, I build companies. I, I work with, with, with uh, a lot of people. And I, myself, got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. Right. I had my, my net worth wiped out. 
by it. It shouldn't have happened, but it happened. Right. And until I was ready to face it, the embarrassment of it, acknowledge it, and then start to look at the lessons that came from it, I wasn't going to grow from it. Right, right. And, and so, look, if it happens to me, it can happen to you. It doesn't mean that we're doomed to failure for the rest of our lives. I learned, I changed, and, and, and this is what happened since 2005, the last, you know, last 15 years. Right. Okay. Perfect. All right. So this is so great. I'm so glad that we kind of covered all that big picture stuff. Cause I actually, I hope for the listeners, I know certainly for me, it, it just fills me with optimism that again, out of this awful situation, we're going to come out of this better. Um, I, I hope for all of us, we come out of it better as people um, because we, we see in these kind of sort of, I don't want to say dark times, but challenging times that we have areas in our lives where we can make positive change for the future. So yeah. this is, you know, I'm hoping that that's coming across and, and hitting home for folks. All right, so let me get to some of these tactical questions. So the first one is, um, what are some day-to-day -day tips you can share about how to manage cash flow given you're not sure when your next paycheck is coming in? Now, let me just speak to this especially as it regards my audience. So uh, if teachers are teaching full-time, they're 100% 1099. If they live by themselves and have no other income, the studio shut down, they're SOL. They got no money coming in. Versus other teachers who may teach on the side and have a regular job or may teach on the side and have a partner that brings in. So there can be a variety of situations. Plus there could be people listening who are not yoga teachers who have a variety of things. So you can have a different situation. But in general, you know, what's kind of our mode right now to manage cash flow? I mean, you so, touched on it a little bit before, so, but. So I think that the mo no matter what your situation is, one of the most important things to do right now is start to examine your cost structure. Your, your spending. This is, this is a time that at the first thing we need to look at is how do we get to a point of stabilization? Whether it's, you, you can look at it and say, I got to stop the bleeding, whatever it is. How do I stabilize my outgo? And then we can look at the, the inflow. So I want you to, to go through all your, all your line items, all the things that you might have subscriptions to and say, God, I haven't used that in months. You know, I might, do I really need it? You know, uh, the subscriptions, the expenses, every line item you scrutinize and be really clear. If, if what is keeping, you say, well, I haven't used it, but I really want it. Well, that's a key that it's a want, not a need. And it gives you the opportunity to give you some, some flexibility. Right now, cash flow and a cash cushion is your friend. Okay. And so we have to get there as quickly as possible to do that. So, so first thing is to scrutinize the, the costs that are going out. That also means this, if you have balances on credit cards, mm -hmm. you're going to get on the phone and you're going to have conversations with them and okay. you're going to negotiate. Now, um, I, I, I did a, a short video on my Facebook page telling people exactly how to negotiate with their credit card company. Okay, we're going to give all your social media links right. at the end, so we'll, we'll do that. But, but okay. you can negotiate the interest rate. You can negotiate the payment. You yep. can negotiate 
the balance if you need to. But the, by and large, you can even negotiate a, a forbearance of payments for a period of time. Now yeah. realize, most of that, unless it's a forgiveness, is kicking the can down the road. Right. So I would negotiate, even, even if you can make your bills, I would negotiate for a reduction in the interest rate, depending where it's at, to at least reduce your payments and then get it paid off faster. Got so I would, I would literally negotiate everything. I went in and I renegotiated my, ho my home loan. I didn't take the rates that were on the website. I got on the phone with their people and said, here's what I want. Here's what's going to happen. And we literally negotiated it. Okay. And we're in the midst of it now. Okay. And so, so those are the couple things that I would do first. Second, if you're in a situation, and this is extreme, but it may be necessary. If you're in a situation where I am sitting there going, I'm really in trouble. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't have anything in savings. Then you're going to literally walk around your house, your apartment, your condo, and you're going to look at stuff and go, what can I sell right now? Yeah. And you're going to start liquidating. You're going to sell everything that you aren't using. You, I mean, that, that treadmill in the corner that is a clothes hanger, you know, we're going to yeah. get rid of it. And it's extreme, but we need to, we need to give you some breathing room. If, right. if we're choking because we don't have cash flow, we got to get you some breathing room. And, and one of the things that, so don't sell the kids, the husband, the wife or whatever, but sell the stuff that really doesn't mean anything and that you're not using. Okay. okay. That gives us some, some good steps to take. Yep. Um, now, kind of on the flip scenario side, if you did have savings, and you look at the stock market now and you say, oh my God, the such and such stock is really low because the whole market's down and you have a choice between investing or keeping your cash. I mean, is this another one of those sort of reframes where you split it down the middle and? Mm. Yes, no, it, it, it depends. So no, actually it's not. Here's the thing. The first thing I would say is, is if I have cash, then the first question is, do you have an, what I call a peace of mind fund. Now okay. there are those out there that say, have three months worth of your expenses out there. Well, let's just play this game out for a moment. No one ever imagined that we would be in the situation we're in. Right. This is not a financial problem. It is a health problem that caused a financial problem. Right. The, the coronavirus has caused a shutdown that we never imagined would happen in our time and may it never happen again. But, it, it is something that will fix itself and correct itself the sooner we can get our arms around the coronavirus. And some, some of these companies have lost 50% of their value just by virtue of the fact that they got no income coming in. Right. And I get that. But so the point being is, is that what we need to do is first make sure that we have a cash cushion. I believe Three months isn't enough, especially okay. for entrepreneurs, especially for, for solopreneurs. But mm -hmm. I believe that I'm I tell my people that you want nine to 18 months of cash Ooh. on hand. Wow. I was thinking you were going to go to six. No. And let Whoa. me tell you why. In our scenarios, we can, we can have things change on us really fast and it may take a little bit for us to get started again. 
yeah. or I have to invest in new things. So I have some people that, that maybe are used to teaching live and now they got to figure out this online game and I got to invest in, in, right. in trainings and learnings and all that stuff. And that takes investment of time and money. I need the cash to do that. So let's average the nine to, the, the nine to 18, let's call it 12 months. Right. I'd love for you to have 12 months in a secured liquid fund. That means a savings account, a money market that's fully liquid and fully insured. Right. Now, I'm going to cut my expenses as far as I possibly can. So that amount will go down a bit. So we're going to cut the expenses first. We're going to figure out what we have. And now anything above that you have available for investing. Okay. Yeah. Until you do that. I wouldn't be putting things in the market because the market is going to gyrate around for a while. This is going to be like watching the emotions of a teenager for a while. Right. Okay. So it's, it's like a prioritization. You have it, to it really is. It's, it's a hierarchy, if, if you will. Understand long-term. We are in what they call a bear market. A bear market is when the mark, stock market declines 20% from its high. We're beyond 20% from its high. We've had 10 or 11 bear markets since 1926. The average time of a bear market is about 1.3 years. Oh, wow. Okay. The average loss in a bear market is 38%. Then you have a bull market, which is what we've been on for 11 years, the longest bull market in history. That's an up market that's going up and going up. Um, the bull market, the average time in a bull market scenario is 6.6 .6 years. The okay. average return in a bull market is 339%. What does oh. that mean? That means in the long term, the market is going to come back. Right. And so at some point, and I don't think it's now, at some point, things that are going to be way on sale, you're going to start to buy into the market. The problem is this, if you're not educated when you're ready to buy or when it's ready for that to happen, um, then you're speculating and that's not investing. So the time now is to do your skill development, to learn more, to figure that out. I'm not a recommender, especially for new people to start buying individual stocks. They're too new. okay? Facebook, for instance, Facebook was at $220 a share. It's 140 right now. If you put a lot of money in that and that was your, that was what your nest egg is. You just lost, you know, over 30%. Right. So diversify the portfolio, which means ETFs, index funds, mutual funds, those kinds of things that are more diversified. So you're buying a piece of a bunch of stocks. Some will go up, some will go down, some will go up higher, some will go down lower, but on average, you'll, you'll make a, a, a pretty good return. Yeah. But now's not the time to do it. I think you okay. just hold, hold, hold tight. Hold tight. Okay. Now, uh, the next one, if it's a pro, uh, is it appropriate to use credit cards for fixed costs like rent, utilities, et cetera, with the hopes that once business reopens, you can pay off that debt. And then I just put a little sidebar cause I know at the federal government level, they're trying to push that stimulus bill through, which potentially could send folks money. But, you know, we don't know. Hopefully that gets done this week. Regardless of that, because that's even probably just going to be a one-time cash payment maybe to folks unless they have something else in there to pay people regularly. Should people in the right here and now, like here they are on whatever the heck it is, March 23rd, their rent is due in, you know, seven days. Are they putting that on a credit card? Um, 
I'm not an advocate of it. Yeah. But but we have to survive. So my, my first stop, first thing that I would do is now they've also said that they're not, the utilities aren't going to get shut off. You're not okay. going to get penalized. Got so it. I, I would get on the phone with my landlord and I would get on the phone with these folks and say, I'm in trouble. Got it. I lost okay. my job. I lost my ability to earn. Can you give me 90 days? Yep. Because if you put it on the credit card, the clock starts ticking on the interest. I would first start negotiating with them first. Um, you could potentially even say, can you give me 90 days? Can you give me half, half rent for, for 90 days? And, and I'll pick it up on the, on the back end or, right. or I would negotiate first before I start running up credit card bills. We don't know. We don't know when things are going to settle down. I hope that they'll settle down sooner than later. But the, the reality is, is that we have an economic problem caused by a health problem, but we're going to have an emotional problem caused by the economic problem and the health problem because we have so many people that are unproductive. They're sitting at home. They're freaked out. They're right. not sure what they're going to do next. And the longer that goes on, right. the harder it is for them to get started again. Right, especially with the imposed restrictions on their yeah. movement and interacting with other human beings. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I love that too because it's very proactive. It's like before you do kind of the passive thing, just put it on the credit card, get on the phone with the lenders, with the landlord, with the utilities, have the Everything, so I have a philosophy in life that everything's negotiable, drives my wife crazy. <laughs> um, but especially now, everything's right. negotiable. So I would literally get on the, on the line with every single person that you pay a bill with if, of any material level that's a regular recurring bill and say, I need to have a conversation. Communication's the key with that. And, and how yeah. you have these conversations, I'll go a little bit into it, is it's not a demand because a demand will cause someone to put their heels in. Yeah. It's, it's a co-creation of a solution. So I'd negotiate a lot and mediate a lot. One of the things that happens is that most people go in negotiation and look at the person across the table as if they're the adversary. How do we bring them and become a peer? And the way to do that, one of the ways to do that is to ask how questions, not why questions. When I say, how can we make it possible for me to make sure that you get what you want and I get what I need? it presupposes there's a solution that we can come together on from the beginning. So we're sitting side by side looking at for the solution and not against each other saying, what are you trying to take from me? What are you trying to get from me? And so the conversation needs to be around a co-creative space of how we can make this work. So we both survive because clearly you want to have a tenant in there that's paying and not have it vacant when things come back. And, right. and, and that type of thing. You don't want to be in litigation. I don't want to be in that situation. Let's figure something out. Let's do this together. So we right. both survive and we both thrive on the other side of this. Okay. That's great. All right. So here's kind of a weird one. Should you, even though they push the tax deadline to July, should you be trying to like push your CPA to get things done now? So if you've got a refund, I mean, are they even at the government level going to be processing refunds if people are owed or due money? So in general, I would, if I have, I would get the returns done as, as soon as possible. Then you have the knowledge of what either what you owe or what you're getting back. 
And um, if you have a refund, I'd file it as soon as possible and get that in in line to get get the check back. Got it. If you owe, you could potentially hold the the return Ah. and and not, not... file it until later and then make the payment later. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But, so. but make sure that, uh, I don't think you need to file an extension anymore. It's automatic to July. So you may not have to worry about an extension. I'd have to look at it. I don't, I don't, don't quote me on yeah, that I just part. Kind of heard that it was July 15th, yep. but I, I didn't Google it or anything. Okay. All right. So here's my last question. And yep. You know, I have kind of a vested interest in your answer to this, but I am not asking you to answer in any particular way, except the way that you want to answer it. So, so if you um, have this, you know, kind of sort of imposed downtime right now, and, you know, we've even talked a little bit about investing in yourself during this time um, to help you build some skills to diversify your income earning capacity. What if, you know, doing that means that you have to spend some money. You know, you've got to spend, you know, a thousand bucks on that online program to learn money management or to learn something. Or in my case, my audience is yoga teachers. I have programs that I, you know, am sharing with them now. And I'm, to be quite honest, I'm saying, look, right now is a great time for you to invest in your growth So you come out of this a more powerful purpose-driven teacher rather than holding up in your house and waiting for, like you said, waiting for this all to be over. I know the reality for my audience and for anyone when they have to make that decision is, is this where I should be putting my money right now? Given, you know, what, you know, some people will have a little bit of money to invest in their growth and can leverage this time for personal growth of whatever. What about folks that don't, or, you know, how do you think you can? So here, here's, here's the way that I look at it is first, I would get clear on what the future looks like, not, not the feared future, but what you want the future to look like. So your future, you're saying as an individual, as an individual, clear on what you want your future. What is, what does that look like? And in order to make that happen, what are the skill gaps that exist? Got it. So if I'm investing, I'm investing to fill a specific skill gap. I'd be very discerning on who I invest with. Got it. And say, does this really give me the specific things that I need to to fill this piece that I think I need, okay? There is two types of learning. There's just-in-case learning, which is what a lot of people do. They start digesting a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff, just in case they ever need it. <laughs> and it fills their mind, it fills their, takes their time, and it empties their pocketbooks. Then there's just-in-time learning. And that is learning what you need in the moment you need it so you can use it and you get the value out of it. And I, I think at this time, it's really about just-in-time learning. What are the skills I need to develop? You can start with things like this, a podcast, YouTube channels, things like of that. But if I need deeper dives, yes, I'm probably going to need to invest. But I'm not going to fall. I'm, this is going to be horrible to say, but I'm not going to fall prey to some of the predators that are out there that are trying to take advantage of the situation here. You're going to look for the industry leaders that are coming from the right place, from a place of service that are really 
have a good record of results and that are there to serve for the right reasons and not just to come at it and go, hey, I'm going to sell you a mask for $40. Right. No, 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 no. So right. that's the way I would do it is I'd be really clear on the skills that I'm trying to develop through this training. Um, I would look for the training and then I would invest in specific training knowing that I'm going to get those skills that moves me towards a specific vision. Yeah. So it's kind of like that Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind. Like if I Definitely. know whole crisis, I want to end up over here and what does over here look like? Okay. So now I reverse engineer it. I'm like, oh, so I need to learn this. I need to learn that. It's all on the path to getting me here. So just like you said, it's like, okay, that's fine. Then that, then I can feel good about putting my money there yeah. even now when money is a, a potentially scarce resource for people. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Fabulous, fabulous. All right. So here's what I want to do. Um, how can people, especially that Facebook video you were mentioning um, on Facebook and Instagram, how did they find you? So I have a Facebook page, Mel H. Abraham. Uh, okay. I'm doing regular lives um, almost daily. Okay. I'm answering questions also. Um, and then my Instagram is uh, Mel Abraham nine. I don't know who the first eight were, but, <laughs> but Mel Abraham nine on, on IG. Uh, and also my website is melabraham.com. And, and then the podcast is called? Well, the podcast, so the podcast called the, uh, there's, I have one podcast called the, uh, the Entrepreneur Solution. I have another podcast that we have not released yet that we're releasing in late April. Okay. That's, that's going to be uh, Difference Makers and Needle Movers. Okay, got it. But there's an existing one now. That there is an existing one. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Wow. Well, we went on a little bit of a journey, but it was, it was fantastic. And I really, really thank you for your time and your expertise. And this was, this was so great. So I really, really want to thank you from the heart and the mind. <laughs> for your time today. And I know that people are really going to appreciate listening to this. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for asking me and giving me a, the honor of your audience. I, 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 it's a privilege to get in front of people and, and I don't, uh, I don't take it lightly. I think that the realization is this, is that we're in a, in a somewhat crazy time, but through the crazy time, there's some amazing opportunities for personal growth, for professional growth, if we're open to it and knowing that on the other side of this, it can't and it never will be business as usual. It's going to be a new kind of business as usual and be open to that change. And when you're open to that change, things will, things will happen. Perfect. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. And I will share this with you as soon as it goes live. You got it. See you. All right. Bye. <laughs>